Thanks for checking out the Airborne Youth Podcast. This week you'll be hearing a teaching from Ben Evenson. Yeah, we are talking about um, um, something new this month. Did you remember? Was up there. Winning? Come on, how many people like the idea of winning? Yeah, the rest of you are liars. I'm serious, right? Because like this, and it's obvious like sports are kind of like the immediate thing that pops to my mind. How many of you just hate sports, don't give a crap at all, right? You're like, nah, not my thing. I know, it's great. But like we're in the middle of Spartan race training right now, like, right? And winning is kind of a big deal because we already won the biggest team, if you haven't heard. We have 72 people running the race this weekend, which is amazing, and um, we, I think, are in very good possibility of getting the fastest team as well. Truly. Because, well, the fastest team is, is ranked by the top four times in your, on your team. So if, the, if we have the four fastest team members of the other teams, that's all it takes. So we got, like, Dylan Krause, Luke Viazzi, Isaiah, um, Kimball, and Fred Metzler. Done. There it is. So... We are going to win fastest time. And Kevin, Kevin, give it up, right? So, Amelia, do you have that picture or are you still working on it? What? You do. Put that picture up because I think this really encapsulates the, the mentality that everyone believes in. If at first you don't succeed, failure may be your style. Right? What do you think? Like, what do you think of that statement? That's like, it's funny. It's funny, but does anybody want to live that way? Like, I messed up. I guess I'm just doomed to fail. Never. No way. And get this. I listened to Chris Valentin's podcast and a lot of Bethel and all that. Yeah. Seriously, if you ever feel like you just need encouraged, hop on to Life Center's podcast, Bethel's podcast, um, Chris Valentin. Airborne, I mean, you hear this, you know, already. You're already getting that. But you could get re-encouraged by what we say, I guess. But, like, seriously, just, like, turn it on. And when you do it totally, like, on your own time, do it while you're in the car. Don't use headphones because I think that's illegal. It's, like, not, it's at least not wise. But whatever, okay? So plug it into your system, whatever. And just listen, okay? It's really healthy stuff. But Chris Valentin said something really cool this last week on one that I was listening to that said, um, any thought that goes through your mind that does not inspire hope is a lie. Right? I know. Wow. I said that too. I wish I had thought of it, but I'm just quoting. Okay. But like compared to that slide where you instantly are like, if at first you don't succeed, I guess I'm just supposed to fail. And I think there's like a reality in our hearts and minds sometimes that start to say that to ourselves. We like convince ourselves, well, I'm not good at singing, okay? And I know that, okay? But that does not in any way disqualify me from being a wonderful person, I think, okay? And I really can believe that, okay? And I really think there's something totally messed up in the way that religion has taught people that you have to feel bad about yourself to be holy, Has anyone ever picked up that sensation that really, like, the more miserable you think of yourself and the more humble you are, right, which means you talk bad about yourself all the time to make everybody else feel good, that's like this certain level of holiness? 
Have you ever picked that up, though, that sense in religion that's just that, like, you don't want to be super special, right? Because if you're super special, other people might really feel bad. So you really should kind of keep it down, right? And it's always this risk, like, oh, you're going to be cocky, right? If you're, if you're proud of yourself, if you're happy with who you are, then you're automatically suddenly cocky. Well, I think there's a major difference between confident and cocky, right? This isn't new to you guys, but I'm just bringing it into language to make your brain go, oh, uh, yeah, right? Because listen, confident knows that you are great. Cocky takes your greatness and uses it to make other people feel less great. Do you follow that? You can be confident and know you're great, but with that comes the ability, and we're talking about outreach this month, for you to think differently. And when you know who you are and you're confident in that and you know who is winning, you then portray a different way of thinking, a different mindset to everyone around you, and people around you start to understand how amazing they are, not feel like crap because of how great you are. Does that make sense? But they actually come into this agreement place where you are so confident in who you are and who God's made you to be that you begin to speak truths to people and life to people that brings them to the realization of how amazing they are because they are actually amazing. They are not the crap that they have convinced themselves they are. Anybody ever struggle with that? I'm just not. How many of you could list five things right now that you're not? Come on. 50? Right, I think it's part of our culture is this, like, oh, I'm not this, and I'm not that. And I could really get, and I know I say it a lot, but I could get really worked up about the fact that I am not musical. And I could be like, man, I'm at Life Center, and everybody's a flipping musician here, and everybody can work. You know, like, and I just can't play anything. Like, I try to play air drums in the car, and I can't even make it sound right when I'm not hitting anything, you know? Like, I just go like, Oh, that's not even right. I can totally tell. Some of you have ridden with me in the car, and you're like, what are you doing? It's just like, whatever. But that does not, I could live in that world of like, wow, I guess I should go find another place to be because everyone's here as a musician, and I'm not. Does that inspire hope? So it's a lie. Follow? Very cool. So I want to talk a little bit about a guy who won a lot. You guys like the idea of winning? I already asked this. Okay, here we go. If you have your Bibles, open to Luke chapter 4. Okay, Luke 4. Luke, you have it? You're going to get your phone out. As long as it's Bible app. Don't be Facebooking right now. Come on, for crying out loud, all right? Okay, Luke 4 verse 14. Okay, this was right after Jesus got tempted in the desert, right? What happened before he got tempted in the desert? Do you remember? I'm going to give you like a good little track to keep your like catch where the flow is on this. Is there a typo on that or something? Oh, okay. The track, they're all like, oh, this flyer. It's like, it's just a, it's a flyer. Anyway. I know, right? It's okay. That's all right. They're distracted. It's okay. Listen, before Jesus was led out into the desert and got tempted by the devil, you know that whole story? Right? He was tempted and da-da-da, okay, by, by the devil. That's really cool because Jesus got tempted. Do you remember that? Do you catch that? I know, yeah, Jesus was tempted by the devil. No, like, he got tempted, like, really, really pushed by the devil to totally forfeit his call on his life, okay? And this came right after he got what? Baptized, right, by John the Baptist. And after he was baptized, right, the, the dove comes out of the sky, the sky opens. This didn't happen when I got baptized. I don't know. I guess I'm not. No, but what? 
Maybe it did, and I didn't see it. I don't know. I was like nine, right? Okay, but I got, but like the sky opens, a dove comes down, and a voice out of this cloud, like the Holy Spirit comes down on Jesus like a dove, it says, and a voice out of the sky says, this is my son in whom I'm well pleased. Would that be a good confirmation for you? Big booming voice of God, like, oh, God, I did the right thing this time, right? Like serious, serious, like build you up thing. But immediately after that, Jesus doesn't go out like, hey, guess what? My daddy's pleased with me. He goes into the desert. And he fasts for 40 days. That's a long time, right? Food and water for 40 days. How do we know that? Because the enemy tries to get him to eat right away, right? But here's the first thing that happens is the devil comes immediately after Jesus hears, this is my son in whom I'm well pleased. The devil's first question to Jesus, first temptation. Do you remember what this is? If you are the son of God. The devil immediately tried to bring down, squelch down, and push out the hope that Jesus had put in his heart from the last thing he heard that was true. And the devil went, I'm attacking that. You're the son of God, let's find out. Squelch your hope, push it down, do all this crazy stuff. So he goes through his whole temptation. He comes out of the desert and immediately goes back in and he's going around and he's talking to people. And on the Sabbath day, verse 14, um, Jesus returned to Galilee in the power of the spirit that is cool. In the power of the Spirit. He just like was like, I not even, he was totally human, but totally filled with the Holy Spirit, fasted, prayed, beat the, de- beat the devil. He was winning, right? And he goes into Galilee like by the power of the Holy Spirit. This is really good. And news about him spread through the whole countryside. Why? Because something about him was so empowered by the Holy Spirit. It doesn't even say he did anything, but he just went to Galilee, right? And, and news about him spread around. We don't know. There's probably only like a 1% of the miracles Jesus did actually recorded in the Bible from what we can gander and imagine because it says it in the Bible. There's another spot that it says, okay? But here's the deal. Um, he was teaching in their synagogues and everyone praised him. They were like, wow, this is amazing. He went to Nazareth, his hometown, okay, where he had been brought up. And on the Sabbath day, he went into the synagogue as was his custom and he stood up to read the scriptures because they didn't all have Bibles back then. You know that? You guys are quiet. Come on. Okay. And the scroll of the prophet Isaiah was handed to him. Unrolling it, he found, and this is totally like a setup. Like he's like, huh. It's funny that they handed the Isaiah scroll to you. So, and it says, unrolling it, he found the place where it is written. The spirit of the Lord is on me because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners and recovery of sight for the blind, to set the oppressed free, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. He's just reading what Isaiah wrote, like, I don't know, 8,000 years ago, roughly, something like that, Okay. And it was like, okay, and he read it. And then this is really cool, and this is really symbolic in these cultures and systems and all of this. He says, then he rolled up the scroll, gave it back to the attendant. That's all he read. It was like on the Sabbath day, he just reads one verse, okay? And he sits down. That's a symbol of being completed. Does that make sense? In that culture, that whole thing, it was just like, it's done, right? And then it says, and for whatever reason, because he read this, okay, um, where'd he go? Shoot. 
everyone, everyone in the synagogue were, fa- were fastened on him. Everyone's staring at him. He began by saying to them, today this scripture is fulfilled in your hearing. And he spoke like, this is the victory. I have come. I am the Messiah. And he said it to a bunch of Jewish guys who were like not ready for this. They knew what this scripture was because they had read it before. It was the prophet of Isaiah pointing to the Messiah. The Messiah comes in, reads it, sits down, and says, this prophecy has been fulfilled in your hearing. Silence in the room, right? I know you're kind of like, what does this mean and what's the point? Okay. Um, We're going to skip. Okay. Uh, Where'd it go? Shoot, sorry. Scroll the prophet, the spirit of the Lord. Okay. Um, All spoke, and then... Oh, and then he said, all spoke well of him and were amazed at the gracious words that came from his lips. Isn't this Joseph's son? So they're all going like, ah, who is this guy? But they're like kind of freaked out, don't know how to click this whole thing. Has anybody ever heard something and you just don't totally track what it means right away? And then like two hours later, you're like laying in bed that night and you're like, oh, this happens to me a lot because I'm kind of slow, right? Yeah, Hannah's like, yeah, that's me right now. I seriously, there's times where I hear something and I'm like, oh, okay, and they're like, Oh, you know, so these guys didn't totally get what was going on. So then Jesus talked a whole bunch to him in this whole thing. And then we skip down to verse 28. He said a whole bunch of things that we don't have time to get into. And it says, all the people, he says this other stuff, and people start getting it. And then it says, just a few verses later, all the people in the synagogue were furious when they heard this. So he started, like, talking some trash, like, and they all started going, like, oh, oh. He's claiming to be the Messiah. So they all get really furious, Okay. They got up, drove him out of the town, and took him to the brow of the hill on which the town was built. The brow is like a cliff, if you don't know, okay? It's like a cliff, right? In order to throw him off the cliff. That's what they said. That's what it says right here. They took Jesus out of the city, up the hill, to throw him off the cliff because they're like, you have to die because you can't claim to do this. I love this. Who has their Bibles open right now? This next verse is amazing. Amazing. Verse 30, it says, but he walked right through the crowd and went on his way. That's crazy. Think about it. Like if all of you got really mad at me right now and wanted to go throw me off the top of the parking garage, let's just say, you know, he's speaking heresy. And you all, would I be able to just walk through the crowd and go on my way? Not leisurely, right, no. But it just says he didn't fight off the crowd and run away. He walked through the crowd and went on his way. Freaky. I don't think. I don't know. That would freak. I just like, I always love these stories throughout Scripture. Maybe, I don't know, but this stuff happened a lot throughout the Bible. If you haven't ever read it, there's like guys like are just there and then they disappear. Right? And then they show up again. Jesus did it, right? And he showed the disappears. Like after he was resurrected, he was hanging out with those guys. He's like spends the whole day with them, eats lunch. He breaks the bread, and all of a sudden they go, oh, It's him! And he disappears. Like that's crazy. And he walks through walls. You know, you've heard all these stories, right? G- um, oh man, I keep losing my spot here. So they take him to the brow of the hill, okay? And he says, but he walked right through the crowd. Then he went down to Capernaum. He's just like moving on. He's like, okay, that's my hometown. They don't like me, right? And that was another prophecy that his own hometown would not, his own people wouldn't receive him. In a town Galilee and on the Sabbath day, he taught the people. They were amazed at his teaching because his words had authority. In the synagogue, there was a man possessed by a demon, an impure spirit. 
he cried out at the top of his voice. This is the demon. Go away. What do you want with us, Jesus of Nazareth? They just know who he is, okay, because he's winning, right? Have you come to destroy us? I know who you are, the Holy One of God. Can you imagine being around this scene? Some totally demon-possessed guy all of a sudden, like, starts yelling, like, in a different voice, in a different, like, this is like right out of the movies, right? Like, I know who you are, Son of God, if you come to destroy us. And I think, you know, like, and Jesus, right, totally, we talked last week a whole lot about how we respond to things, right? Jesus says, sternly, come out of him, right? How would that go? Come out of him. I don't know how stern it would be. I don't know. Then the demon threw the man down before them all, or before them all, and came out without injuring him. All the people were amazed and said to each other, "What words are these? With authority and power, he gives orders to impure spirits, and they come out." Okay, winning. This was like the first two days of Jesus' ministry, right? And what's the key? What was the beginning piece of this deal? He went into the city, into Galilee, what? How? In the power of the Spirit, okay? So here's the deal. Winning, we all get. We all understand. So I made a quick little list of ways to lose, okay? In case you want to take notes, these are really good, okay? I have six ways that you can guarantee losing, all right? Are you following? You with me? Number one, you quit. Right? How many of you have ever played a board game with someone who doesn't like how it's going and they just leave? <sighs> My whole family, everybody says, right? Like, seriously, I have three little boys and they just like, if they don't like how the game's going, like, I don't want to play anymore, right? Is that the worst thing in the world? It's like, you can't win if you do that, okay? Guaranteed way to lose, right? Here we go. Here's the other one, okay? And yes, there's probably exceptions to these at certain times, but here's the deal. And I'm speaking spiritually here, not just about winning a game. Is Here's the deal. Winging, winging it. Just totally going without a plan. Pretty good chance of losing. Now, there's opportunities where, oh, that went well. Got lucky, whatever it might be. How many of you have ever been on a team sport? Yes, a team sport. If you got to just go out there, it's like peewee soccer is just winging it. Right, four-year-olds chasing the ball. Seriously, right? It's like, boot it. That's all the coach says, right? All the coach says, that is the plan. Boot it. And all the kids chase. It's bunch ball, right? And then, boom, whoever gets their foot on it, boots it down the field, and then the whole little cluster, right? There's like not a plan. But you see a difference between that and, while it's not quite, Men's World Cup, Women's World Cup, way to go, ladies, American women. Five to two in the final of the World Cup. Yes! Seriously. Oh, man, I was so happy. I didn't watch any of the games. <laughs> but I was really happy that they won. I'm just being honest. But, but listen, have you ever watched a professional soccer game? There is a plan. There is like, you just watch it and you're like, <sighs> and the ball just moves, and they're like, and, and it's like everywhere they touch it, it goes exactly. That's the sound it makes, I know. Okay? So here's, that's, so if you totally go at your life, your spiritual life with no plan, no thought, and just try to wing it, you're probably going to lose. Whoa, right? 
Here's another one. Okay, this is a good one. Get an attitude or get offended. And I'm talking about spiritual life again. Okay, this can work on the basketball court too. Have you ever had one of those people on your team that just gets like, I hate everybody. And they become a one-man team, right? They're like, I'm going to just do this. And everybody just like, it ruins the game for everybody, right? I ain't passing to you. Anybody ever played that way with somebody? Yeah, definitely. Church basketball. Anyway, <laughs> right? Yeah, it's like, but seriously, getting offended in your spiritual walk will throw you into the, le- the, the less than hopeful way of thinking. I got hurt. So-and-so said this, and oh, they said this, and man, they never do the things I want to do in my, you know, or whatever. You can get offended at church really easy. How many of you know that's true? It's pretty easy to be like, and it's like our defense mechanism when we really just don't want to do what the body of Christ is doing sometimes. Not always. There's times to be legitimately offended, but you've got to get over it and not get an attitude about it. Does that make sense? Pretty guaranteed way because we all get grumpy, right, at times in any sport, in any time. We get some grumpiness going on. Here's the next one. Ignore good coaching. Good coaching. Follow, okay? How many ever had a bad coach that really, like, if your parents go, like, this guy is a terrible coach, they're probably kind of right, okay? Whatever. But good coaching, right? If you're in the NFL and you got Mike Ditka, this has been a while back, right? He just the first one to came, come to my mind. And you're his quarterback, and he gives you the play, and you totally blow him off? It's probably unwise. There are times when I know those guys do that and whatever, and they get paid a gazillion dollars. I don't get it. But listen, there's these realities in your spiritual walk, okay, where ignoring good coaching from leaders, from pastors, from people around you, maybe your best friends who are like, hey, dude, you're being stupid. Or sister, right now, you know, hey, girl, you're being stupid, right? Does that ever happen? Okay, when you blow that off and just be like, nah, man, they don't understand, okay? I was like suspect number one of this in high school. Man, I had some really good friends and some really good people directly come to me and be like, Ben, what you're doing is idiotic, okay? I don't have time to go into details. I know you want to know though, right? Okay, but here's the deal. And I totally blew them off. Totally. No, you don't understand, man. You don't even know what's going on. You don't know the whole situation. You're just seeing it from your view. Losing. Seriously losing. When people around you who you know care about you, love you, speak into your life and you go, I don't want to hear it. I'm out. You're setting yourself up to fall into hopelessness. Got it? Mm. Fifth one. This one's pretty obvious. Do nothing at all. You cannot win by doing nothing unless sitting is a competition. But come on, who wants to win that? I don't know, right? Do nothing, okay? And this again, spiritually speaking, doing nothing is a waste of God-given talent, ability, and gifting that he said he gave you. So don't sit back and go, I'm not, dot, 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 and say, I guess I'll just go through life. Got it? You guys are talking up here. What did I say? Or is it just, anyway, okay. All right, and here's possibly the number, well, not number one, but this is a major that'll catch people anytime, is to decide you don't even want to win at all. I know, I know. No, it does happen to people. There's people, seriously, that have had bad experience after bad experience, maybe offended, maybe this, maybe that. They've quit enough times, they blah, 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 get to that point where, 
They literally believe maybe failure is just my style. What? Oh, what? Right, winning may not be worth the effort. That could be a big one. But it's that reality when you just kind of get to that point where you're like, you know what, winning, I don't really want to. And spiritually speaking, every single one of these, quitting, giving up, getting an attitude, all of these things, none of these thoughts inspire what? Hope for your future. This podcast was recorded live at a Wednesday night youth meeting. To find out more, check us out on Facebook and Instagram by searching Airborne Youth.